from the crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's Marty Ben here for part two of our conversation with Will and James O'Byrne. Uh, very excited for you guys to jump into the second half of this conversation. We get a little drunker and get deeper and more philosophical uh, into this stuff. Really, a lot of the questions that I have about not just proof of work, but a lot of like Bitcoin things. And there is always an answer, and I, I would almost call it a canonical answer because I hear it from more people more than once. But they don't always feel like realistic answers to me. They feel like like coming up with an idea in a frictionless environment, but interacting with a very frictionful environment, which involves, you know, real people. Well, that that's literally my argument against proof of stake. I think human systems are more complicated than thermodynamic systems. And proof of stake is inherently a more social thing than having an ASIC chip that proves that you've done something. But we can agree it goes beyond thermodynamics. It goes on, you know, if if the president decides to put tariffs and taxes on 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 foreign imports, well, now all of my hardware gets more expensive. And now the decentralization fails because it's cheaper to run this hardware everywhere else in the world. That's fleeting to an extent because it's only for... I would argue that's like that. That could be temporary. Well, Whereas, network security is not a temporary issue. If you have, true. if you open yourself up to a single fifty-one percent attack, as James puts it, you might as well go home. Well, I, I, a fifty-one percent attack, um, in terms of doing a reorg, gets a lot harder as you go deeper in the chain. So. And and yeah, and then so th- I come from like a pure economics background. Like this shit is driven. By economic incentives, and if a government were to uh, to instill tariffs on the hardware, another government, like you were saying to all business Peter earlier, was like would take advantage of that and say, "All right, we're not going to instill these tariffs. All the mining come here, and then the government that instilled the tariffs is going to lose out, is going to get cut behind the competition, and they're eventually going to have to adjust their policy." Like oh, I, I agree, but we still live in a world where, like, you can't get citizenship even if you're, you know, someone who will provide a lot of value to a country. Like, to move over all of that mining infrastructure takes time and money, and it's money you might return a yield on later, but maybe it's like, you know, Zimbabwe who decides to open that up. And, like, what else crazy stuff is the Zimbabwe government going to do other than allow for for cheap mining you know maybe they'll impose some other restriction why would i as a business owner put that much risk you know into something i i like those ideas i like these you know economic games but i feel like a lot of the times when they move into the real world you introduce so much friction some of it's just emotion you know maybe i've made my money and when it gets difficult i'm like eh, i'll sell my hardware i'm out of the game so I really love being in uh, a conversation where we can say, or I can say confidently that government effects are short run. That's like, exactly. That's, exactly. I, 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 I love being able to say that with any degree of confidence, but I, I really think that government effects are short run. You know, let's say that they Im- impose a tariff on mining hardware. Well, then, you know, the Chinese company contracts with an American company to transmit plans for building this hardware at, at some licensing rate. I mean, I, I just think this stuff, can be overcome where i really agree with you is that it's hard to anticipate reality and there are totally going to be snags that we don't foresee which is i guess why i believe in constraining the system to something that i perceive as being very predictable 
and very straightforward, which which is a proof of work. Whereas like I don't I don't want to rely on social dynamics or these strange emergent behaviors that could em- that, that could come about um, across stakers because it's never been it's never been tried and it's a human system and human systems are like notoriously hard to reason about. Yeah, but proof of work hadn't been tried either until it had been tried, and it's had its fair share of surprising effects. Well, proof of work had been had been discussed for a long time. Um, I mean, hash discussed. Cash, hash cash goes a ways back. Proof of work systems had been built. I mean, obviously, never as widely deployed as Bitcoin, um, but SHA two fifty six is a very well understood thing. Um, the dynamics of staking across multiple participants or not. Yeah, and this goes back to the heuristic fucking cr- Marcus. What? That's my fake name. <laughs> I've been saying heuristic. Sorry for doxing you, Marcus. Sorry for doxing myself. Here, I'm saying heuristics too much. But this is another thing I fall back on. So when I envision Bitcoin in my mind, it is a public utility. And no matter what happens around it, like it is a pillar of light that anybody who wants to interact with it can plug in and transmit data like go to the center of town and transmit data it doesn't like bitcoin doesn't give a fuck what wars are going on outside of it it doesn't give a fuck like who is doing what like who is fighting with who it's just there to embed data into and like you were saying like proof of stake is inherently social where you're depending on people who are in my vision fighting outside of that sort of beam of light and making decisions in that aspect like I'm terribly describing my thoughts right now, but like, again, folks, like, we we're in the midst of a competitive sport right now. We're in barstool sports, playing a sport, and that sport is called consuming alcohol while discussing cryptocurrency systems. Yes, and we've consumed a lot. We're two bottles deep almost. <laughs> but again, the the pillar of light that I see Bitcoin as not changing is imperative in my mind. Like, it is slow, dumb, and something you just anchor data into. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I would guess that will is happy for that. And oh, yeah. It, like likes the fact that Bitcoin is fairly conservative and is is kind of a holdout um and is this is this system that isn't taking risks. Um I I I appreciate you for throwing me the um the escape hatch there because at some point I did want to make it clear that I am not an Ethereum maximalist. In by any means, I'm not really a maximalist of anything. We live in a world where we speak you know, over 4,000 languages. Quickly diminishing. <laughs> Quickly diminishing. Um, rip. Well, so we, many cultures. Well, we can, yeah, we can get into heuristics there, like the anti-Tower of Babel. Like, we're maybe, like, maybe consolidating from, still, we're coming back together after the Tower of Babel. Like, and and Nassim Taleb would probably argue that that uh, consolidation imposes a lot of centralization risk, which, um, you know, there's something to be said there. I mean, there's that. There's also the idea that you lose certain utilities. You know, certain languages are geared towards certain types of discussions. One of my favorites is the anecdote about the language where um, they don't have relative directions, like left and right. They only speak in cardinal directions, yeah. and they have an uncanny sense of you know what direction they're facing any time. It's like a classic one. It's like that scene in The Wire where uh, yeah, yeah. What what room are we in right now? And it's the north north corner of the fourth floor of you know whatever. Right. Like, yeah. um, 
ha- having that understanding at any given time, you know, there's utility to that, and 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 that's reflected in so many things. It's reflected in our operating systems. We we have three major ones and dozens of minor ones. We've got languages. We've got currencies. We've got you know systems of measurement. People love to shit on the imperial system, but you know what? It has its uses sometimes for certain aspects of construction like there there are reasons that we choose certain things over other things and i'm a huge fan of bitcoin i hold bitcoin i like bitcoin it makes me happy when the price goes up um because to me it has a huge amount of use and one of those uses which you guys love is is the second layer staking thing i love the idea of these services building on top of it and committing their hashes to the blockchain like that's a huge thing for me i love that but i am not unwilling to deny and and i'm a huge fan of the other um use cases of decentralized you know computing just in general mm-hmm. and so um you know I'm, I'm just a features man like i said i i, I live on kind of the I, I mean i live on the second layer basically i don't think i'm ever going to touch any of these protocols and so what i love is being able to use these things and and bitcoin has kind of I think made a place for itself to be not the use case for many things. And that's fine to say, we're not going to solve that problem for you. And, and, and I love having this like workhorse that doesn't try to do everything, but it's not okay to say, and your problem isn't important or your problem doesn't need to be solved today because, you know, somebody wants a prediction market and they want it today. Somebody wants a gambling application that pays dividends to its, you know, its holders. Uh, people have made it clear that there's a demand for these things, and and I applaud anyone who can offer it, even if it's not the optimal implementation, but if it's an implementation that makes enough people happy that they're willing to throw money at it. And I, I think there's a lot of wisdom there. I think that uh, you. Oh, go ahead, Mark. No, I was gonna say I fucking love that explanation. Yeah. No. No. He's he's dead on. And he's touching on, I, I mean, so my brother really sold himself short in his introduction. Um, he is far and away uh, one of the smartest people I know, and I'm, I'm privileged to have been his brother for 24 years. Um, but he's touching on a really age-old piece of engineering wisdom, which is don't fucking in- over-engineer. You know, people, everybody knows the guy, everybody has the coworker who wants to rewrite this subsystem in Haskell just because it's cool and it'll quote unquote scale well um, when it doesn't actually matter. Um, and so I, th- I think there's real value to, to being agnostic about what really makes a difference and where where you should really put engineering effort, effort in. Um, I, I just think, I guess, when it comes to money, um, and, and I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm fine with certain aspects of Ethereum being a thing. Um, what I worry is that money is really important and people's value is really important. And in, in, in systems with network-like dynamics, you have this slippery slope where people might start to build on top of a system because it's readily accessible and has a nice interface and good marketing and whatever else. Um, and then all of a sudden you start building on top of the system that has these these inherent problems at the foundation. and ends up being repurposed for a use that it was never designed with the intent for, which is another classic, you know, engineering uh, circumstance that comes up. But I really, I, I do really respect this idea that like, hey, you know, we just need to get something out there. 
Um, but I, I think that that changes a little bit for me when it comes to money. I, I, yeah, I think I understand that. I think I understand. I mean, and, and in a certain way, th- that is why I respect a lot the, the transition in branding from Bitcoin to being a currency to a store of value <laughs> is because it's, it's, it's a shit currency. I'm going to go out there and say it. It is. It costs a lot of money to move around and it takes a lot of time. And, and so I think rather than try to stick to the mission statement, which was, you know, um, give this method of exchange to to the masses um they didn't pivot the mi- they didn't pivot the code to match the mission statement they pivoted the, the the statement of what bitcoin is i mean i say they it's you know nobody owns this thing but but you know pe- people as a whole and and i think that it is good to see that kind of level of principle not to oh what am i going to give my investors but what am I going to do to make the best thing? I think that was the right move, but the need for currency exists, and someone's trying to fulfill. A lot of someone's are trying to fulfill that right now, and that's really, you know, we started the show with tribalism. That's what irks me the most about tribalism is when you're shooting down a use case that someone actually has. I think that's where it doesn't belong. No, and I love that you said that, and that's one of the things that I've been harping on a lot is that Bitcoin's going to change us more than we change it. Like in the, like I, I was fucking in 2013, 2014. I was like, yeah, not like I was fucking one of those idiots, like anonymous cryptocurrency fee-less. It was like Roger Ver spiel. He was like, you can do like a fee-less fucking digital cash. That's peer to peer. And, but again, like time goes on, more people join the network and you realize like, maybe this isn't what it is at this, at this point in time. And that is one thing I respect is that like we are sort of wielding to this thing. And again, going back to the pillar of light that we all just utilize, like we're sort of adapting to this as it evolves itself. And it's fucking heavy and it's fucking beautiful to be a part of it. It's like, it, it really is exciting. Like I feel invigorated every day, right? I wake up and get to write about it. And as much as I hate on Ethereum, like it's fucking exciting. You guys are taking on like, you guys we are we are we're all humans we're all taking on these problems like and like right on the tip and trying to push the boundaries which i would argue has not happened for a while in this country in particular and maybe around the world in particular as well i did it i i got marty to be positive (laughs) i could leave this show and die happy especially about ethereum but just in general no but Maybe we need less hate. Less hate. No, I actually do not believe that. I believe we need to be as... <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. I do not believe that. We need to be as confrontational as possible so we get the best results. No, I, I mean, I, I love pessimism. I think one of the biggest problems that I run into um, working on a platform that we... One of the biggest mistakes we ever made was letting people enter their private key on a website. It's like the worst thing ever. Never Speaking do it. from the my crypto perspective. Right? Yeah, my crypto perspective. Never, never. Even if it's even if it's my website, don't do it. Don't enter your private key anywhere. Never utter it aloud. Ne- never type it. Like yeah, never type it. Don't put it in your clipboard. Anyway, my, don't my take point, a picture of it. Don't do anything. Right, right. Yeah, even a picture. You know, uh, text analysis. If you're gonna do a thing. picture, make sure it's a Polaroid from like <laughs> two decades ago. That's actually not a bad idea as a backup mechanism. Anyway, uh, all I mean to say is that that pessimism is or, or skepticism. I'm not gonna say pessimism. I skepticism. love optimism. Yeah. 
uh, pro-optimism, kind of self-fulfilling. But um, uh, skepticism is, is very healthy. And I think it's something, you know, it's a challenge trying to work in this industry to convince people that you're not a terrible human being. But I love that that's people's first impression. Anytime that I propose something out there into the ether, I always get, um, I always get people, you know, immediately saying, "Well, like, what are you like? What are you trying to do? You know, what's your your angle here?" Um, and and in in a way, you know, for better or for worse, that's one of those effects. You say Bitcoin's going to change us more than we're going to change it. It has made us skeptical, mm-hmm. but I think that's healthy. No, I do as well. I do as well, and. That's the way you get the best results. Like you can't just be like, "Oh my God, yeah, this is gonna work. This is gonna work." You gotta question everything at its core and really get to the bottom of it. Um, and I am very skeptical. I'm personally very skeptical. And that's why I'm here on the show. I mean, I I like that you are skeptical, but you invited me on here because you said, you know, what? we need some like some somebody who's opposing me. I can't wait to uh, <laughs> get a hold of or, or listen to the episode that you eventually record with. Uh, who was it last week that you were saying? Just thinks Bitcoin's like this huge scam. That's uh, oh, Adam Singer from yeah, Google. I, yeah, we we don't have anything scheduled in the books yet, but he has uh, via DM said he will come on when he's in New York next. So oh, whenever he's in New happen. York next, yeah. And he uh, he's very skeptical. Like he 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 believes that like our monetary system's fine. It's gonna go on as it has for for decades and and be fine. Like our our economy's gonna grow to at a pace that that allows us to keep our monetary ambitions on the trajectory that they are right now i don't agree with them but i would love to hear his his perspective in person yeah i want to hear that viewpoint too because i think you know uh, above the skepticism is and you know this is i think probably more byproduct of the mediums of exchange that we have with facebook and twitter but like we don't hear enough enough dissenting opinions on the things that we hold dear and i think that's a huge anti-tribalist move you can do is talk to your friend who doesn't like what you're doing and talk really deeply with them about it and and like draw out of them why they don't believe in it um so looking forward to that episode are we talking about vitalik is it (laughs) hey vitalik if you want to come on sorry come on whatever guys we're talking about a no coiner no coiner. oh a no coiner yeah the um, no coiner. I didn't realize that was that was a it's a, a branding. That's a thing now that you could have until recently. It happened recently, I think, in the last six months. Um, but will we tried to dig into it earlier? You you deflected a little bit, but I want to talk about you. Fascinate me because you dropped out of high school, and when we first met up at Skinny Dennis, we talked a lot about like you. It, like you were fucking smart enough to drop out of high school and work with technology and you worked with gaming, correct? He was making these like incredible video games with, with no instruction or prompting. Um, it, it was like, you know, it was remarkable to watch. I had to, I had to go to college to teach myself how to program, but uh, Will just basically sat in his room and, and via osmosis, <laughs> I guess, accumulated the ability <laughs> to just like make these magical programs um geez so how did you get how did you get interested in this if i wasn't deflecting before i'm gonna be deflecting now um yeah so i i I think like so many people of my generation i don't mean to distance myself from you guys i'm only like 16 months old i yeah i know but it's a long (laughs) the berlin wall fell or not yeah the berlin wall fell down 
you it, know? It, it has been down longer than it was up. <laughs> That's what you're trying to And the pyramids and Cleopatra or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I got into programming via video games. Um, Shout-outs to the uh, Ludum Dare 48-hour game challenge. That was a community that, that kind of raised me as a programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, those people are awesome. Uh like most game programmers, I read a couple of articles, learn it's a shit industry that pays you nothing and and squeezes you like a lemon until, you know, you're just dry of inspiration in life. Uh, and kind of pivot into web development. Um, stuck around there for a while. Uh, but, one, you know, one of the things you were asking what attracted me to Ethereum, one of the things that attracts me to it is kind of its focus on the technology that we use today. So... I'm I'm a big fan of cryptocurrencies going to change us more than we change it, but I'm also a bigger fan of bridging today to what we're going to be doing tomorrow. And I think you know one of the things that enthused me about Ethereum is its sort of JavaScript friendliness, um, and the fact that there is kind of this proposal to bring um, the blockchain into your browser. And so if you use any Web three provider, it's called Web three. The idea is that you basically have your account. Um, and the ability to sign and broadcast transactions exposed through your browser in in a reasonably secure way. So don't worry, you're not just gonna like visit a website and they're gonna broadcast your transactions for you. But I guess to to play devil's advocate here, isn't isn't making it quote unquote easy to program Ethereum what gets us into situations like uh, the DAO or or um par- or uh, it's parity, right? The yeah, yeah. the multi sig contract that froze. I it, like. You know, some people kind of tongue-in-cheek joke that if, um, you know, you can't contribute to Bitcoin Core because you don't care to or can't learn C++, then, like, good, because that's a good filter on who should be writing code um, Well, James, money. you're a self-proclaimed libertarian. I think you, of all people, could respect that, that, that people are at responsibility for the way in which they use their money and you can promote best practices but at a certain point yeah if if i go out and develop a smart contract and i claim that it can do something ludicrous and and i'm not saying that's what other people have done but if i say that and people send money to it like you don't even have to claim that it does something ludicrous look at the parity contract like this does multi-sig and because of because of a cultural element in that system people just reuse that contract you know technically everybody can go out and audit the contract and figure out that Oh, you know, there's this bug, but but because the programming interface is so high level and friendly and abstract, um, it engenders this, I don't know, this lack of scrutiny maybe or this lack of understanding, which which I have a real problem with. I mean, I I, I don't know how to argue with that. I would <laughs> agree with James. <laughs> All right, we got Marty on the record. Uh, I would disagree with that because anytime, I mean, that's just classic elitism, right? Oh, that there are there are those who should be empowered to do and those who should be empowered to not. The the reason I disagree with that is that anybody can go out and learn C plus plus if they really want to. Um, you know, anybody can go out and write Bitcoin script. I think what's a closer analog is like um, functional programming. What I love about Bitcoin script is that it's a language that almost nobody wants to work in, and it deals exclusively with value transfer. 
And so because of that, the things that happen in Bitcoin script are very tightly scoped to value transfer. So you know that anything happening in Bitcoin script is important. You should pay close attention. It's nearly inscrutable. So you have to sit there and like draw it out. Um, whereas if you have a general purpose programming language like Solidity, then you can do all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of flowery stuff. There's some filler in there. Um, and maybe, okay, the value transfer happens on line 87, you know, when you finally get down there. So I don't think it's leadus at all. I mean, I think it's a very open system anyone can participate in. We're at Barstool Sports here. I'm going to analogize it to, like, the NFL or, like, the NBA. Is that... Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's fine. Anybody can get into the really in in the NBA or in the NFL. This is someone who not you know doesn't follow sports very much, but I mean, I imagine anybody can get in with a sufficient amount of talent. Like teams are probably like chomping at the bit to sign someone who's two times better than or you know perf performs some margin better than you know the the average player, um, but. No, I mean, I, I, again, I think this is another place where these systems defy conventional engineering wisdom in that, like, you, you want this code to be very tightly scoped and very unfriendly because, well, I mean, not unnecessarily unfriendly, but, like, you, you don't want a general purpose programming language. No, you want so. it to be unfriendly because, this, again, going back to, like, it's securing money. And value money is one of the most important things in the world because it's one half of every transaction between humans or between commerce and commerce right right i'm so sorry guys i'm gonna fucking explode if i don't go to the yeah I, I really no, want to respond i had a similar people. episode so all right we're gonna shit on uh will as he's in the bathroom <laughs> no, i'm kidding no but like that is one thing i truly believe is like this is money it's not something you fuck with it, it really is. It's a special circumstance. It's it's not your run-of-the-mill program. You know, I mean, I, I've written a lot of programs where it's like, okay, this thing, you know, could shit the bed in various ways, and I, I'd be in trouble. You know, we might we might be set back by a few days. Um, and then there are programs that I've written where it's like, this absolutely cannot screw up, and this has to behave predictably. Um, and and what I love about working on Bitcoin is that the entire thing is that way. So like every single change that I submit to Bitcoin or every single PR that I review requires like the utmost of my scrutiny because you just can't screw it up. Um, and this is unlike a lot of systems out there these days. Yeah, that's like where I fall back on the, on the argument that like this is fucking different than anything we've ever in encountered. Like, excuse me, people trying to apply like guidelines in laws of your typical software like just doesn't it's just like doesn't it's not comparable it, it really isn't like, yeah it's I, th I think um like elaine ow um shout out elaine yeah shout out elaine her her and Zabo. very underrated very underrated fucking personality oh totally place. she's she is amazing and and so um i think maybe the talk that got me most hyped at scaling bitcoin in stanford this year was um her and sabo talking about this protocol that they are developing to transmit bitcoin blocks and transactions uh i guess the bitcoin protocol over shortwave radio and <laughs> like you talk that's about that's like ultra cypherpunk right now. yes 
Yes, and that is that that stuff just gets me so jacked up because that's exactly what you need to be completely fault tolerant. Um, like that that kind of um, you know really diversifying away from reliance on on the TCP/IP protocol. TCP/IP protocol is 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 exactly the kind of thing that we need. So Marty has um, left the studio temporarily to go take care of some business i heard uh, i overheard as i left you guys were going to shit talk me so i think now's the time oh, to yeah. shit talk marty yeah yeah we no. somehow we actually we actually procrastinated shit talking you oh we, yes we can definitely shit talk marty right on yeah let's get down to it um man this is this office is intense <laughs> so we're in barstool sports as i'm sure everyone knows at this point and it lives up to the name uh, I'm impressed. There is there is like an absurd amount of sports paraphernalia here. There's a literal bar in the office. Did you notice that? Well, I mean that's not that's not totally un you know that's like bars have I I haven't seen the bar. Maybe it's a significant bar. Oh, it's behind where they were doing the streaming. They were they were live streaming pro football players playing Madden, which is like maybe a Black Mirror episode in waiting, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was behind them. I mean, okay. it's it's cool, but I was so busy running for the bathroom because I didn't want to miss a single minute of this riveting conversation. Oh, I was that, lucky uh, I got to catch somebody to ask because there's like forty doors. Oh yeah, yeah. I I definitely had a few office. false starts there. Yeah, burning the midnight oil. The, well, we got half a bottle of wine to finish, so let's keep going. I right, know I have right. two beers, right. two and a half beers, so. I'm I'm definitely gonna cut this up into two episodes. So okay, that's great. Jeez, okay, and I hope you cut out a lot more, <laughs> man. Whew. No, I don't man. know. I think it's been. I like it. I like when it's raw. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's I, it's I raw. So so the reason that I love podcasts over like audiobooks is that I feel like when people are reading the audiobook, it feels too polished, and and like when you're listening to a podcast, like a discussion, it feels like you're talking to somebody. Unless, have you ever heard Ice T reading Dungeons and Dragons book? <laughs> no, no but that's not. all I want to hear that's now. It's incredible. he had a contract, and they made him read Dungeons and Dragons audiobooks. I'll have to scrape up which ones, but oh, it's special. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine what oh, that was man. like. Uh, so where where we leave off? Are we still talking about uh? Lane and, uh, we left oh, yeah. off at the elitism of presuming that your code base should be difficult to get into because it's See, super important. Uh, well, it is super important. Like money is important. Like I don't like I I would I would argue yes. There's places for elitism like or not places for elitism, but like there are things where elitism can be applied. And you can say fuck you, you're being an elitist. But when it comes to money, above all. Like the security and the integrity of that money is bar none. Like it is the most, it's the pinnacle, the ult, penultimate goal for everybody. I I totally agree. And if you were to submit a pull request to Geth or something, you know, of equal importance, uh, and and you weren't a serious person and you didn't write serious code, you would be rejected, just as you would expect from from Bitcoin Core. I think you know. Probably the thing that has happened, and I think it's it's healthy, is people have grown this skepticism that I said that I like. You know, a- after a while, and, and I'm affected by this too, you, you hold a certain amount of cryptocurrency and you've sent it around for a while. You stop thinking of it as money. 
it does kind of feel like video game bugs. It starts me. feeling Wait, like video so, game bugs. So for reference, it uh, hasn't for me yet. I <laughs> sweat every time I fucking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No. As you should. But you, uh, yeah. So, so uh, for reference, listeners, Will refers to any kind of cryptocurrency as space bucks to people who otherwise might not know what he's talking <laughs> about. Oh yeah, I mean, I got, I got to start expectations low, deliver high, you know. So oh, yeah. I, I, I should talk this stuff to everybody space until bucks. I really get into it. Um, but you know, I think what what has happened is not some people wrote bad code and we should stop people from writing bad code because let me tell you. People are going to write bad code forever. What, what has happened is that people were too willing to trust services with their information because they did not, or, or not their information, but just anything, because they had not yet learned to be skeptical. And this happened in the early Internet. You know, you had websites who were storing passwords in plain text and databases that were easily hacked. You know, I think you see it now a little bit. People are willing to give over KYC information to anybody who calls himself an exchange. You know, and that's your social security number and your photo ID and all that stuff. Like that's not already all out there thanks to Equifax and yeah, uh, ne- everybody else. Negative shout-outs to Equifax. Is there a, is there a thing like it curses? <laughs> we just put a curse on Equifax. Yeah. I hope you guys die. I've actually got like an interesting like Fight Club theory about Equifax, but we'll get into that. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to so find out who this, Tyler Durden really is. I mean, is this like you guys would know more than I? Would it be possible to quasi DDoS like the IRS with all the information that was attained from the Equifax Act? Oh, just file a bunch of false exactly. tax returns, man. I don't know if you could. I haven't thought about that hard enough. But if you could, I hope someone out there does <laughs> right and just lets this motherfucker burn <laughs> right like i want it yeah, i want it uh, that's but an like, awful libertarian statement on your part will well i mean i like to pick and choose but it's technically possible right do you think uh if they had the social security numbers the addresses and names like that's what you need yeah i mean i think what it comes down to is there's not a lot of economic incentive for somebody to do that that's a lot of yeah, letters to, to send you have to have a tyler durden who's like like let's burn right yeah. yeah man i'm 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 into that i don't hate it but i'm not willing to be tyler durden i'm willing to be um a passive observer what's his name ah, ah, ah. Uh, yeah. he was the hulk Edward, Edward Norton. Norton. Edward, Edward, I'm Edward willing Norton. to be an Edward Norton. Yeah. I'm not willing to be a Brad Pitt. Okay, here. so you, you want to be taken along for the ride, but you don't want to necessarily be like directing the, the criminal activity. Oh, yeah, I'm a wuss. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I mean, actually, to be fair, I came on here with my real name, so I feel like I'm pretty badass that's right true, now. That's but, true. Yeah, so um, did I, Marty Bent's my real name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be filing your tax return as Marty Bent a thousand times. Yeah, I've actually I've actually signed a couple contracts as Marty Bent. It's been that's been weird. As you should. Plausible deniability. Oh, um, this is getting cut out. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Where were we with uh, IRS? So oh, I'll, your information be all right. Yeah. So people, so people were willing were willing to put out. I mean. You know, it happened a couple times. You threw 100 ETH into an ICO. It turned into 200 ETH when that thing came up. People were doing that over and over and over and over again. And they were sending it. You know, most most ICOs are smart contracts. They're not some guy who writes down everybody who sent in and writes down, you know, what they get sent later. There's some amount of automation in there, you know, or or, or 
multi-sig wallets because you start with your first and then you forget, oh, hey, this isn't just a private key. This is code running on the mainnet. And you put money in there. Like, people got um, lazy, you know. And, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, call to your libertarian responses. Like, people, you can't get lazy in a system where you're not, someone doesn't cover your ass for you. No, it's, yeah, no, I, and, I, and I completely agree with that. But there are certain cultural elements that, encourage well everybody's using this parity contract so i can use this parity contract without auditing the code and that plays into things and i'm not asking them to audit their code what like every individual because yeah that's that's absurd and that's also you know kind of my my anti-elitism angle you should be able to interact with this stuff but not know how to read smart contract code that's that should be a given um but well, yeah but who who's making the argument to the contrary i think all the a lot of the Bitcoin community, you know, advocates running binaries that you've verified just as the Ethereum people would. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we as a society need to start adopting like efficient ways in which to trust things. And I think um Is that possible? I mean there's so many variables. Well we already we already do that today, right? Like um, credit score. Let's talk about credit score. You I know that fucking trust a credit score as far as I can throw it. It's virtual. I can't throw it anywhere. Okay. Well, luckily I'm not trying to, <laughs> not trying to take out a loan with the the bank of Martin. bank of Ben. <laughs> Got to go for that alliteration. Um, you know, I, I and I'm not saying we need a credit score. I'm just saying that there there like after a time of people getting burned, we develop systems by which to trust things, and no one has no one has that metric. You know. I mean, one of the things that really drives me up the wall I hate is all these ICO rating websites. Have you have you landed on any of these? Oh, my yeah. God. There's like an ICO influencer fucking website. It's Yeah. These these things are garbage. Bitcoin. C minus. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about- You're talk uh, Are you talking about like token curated registries and shit like that? or? I'm not talking about- um, Who's who's the organization that gave Bitcoin a C minus as an investment? Weiss. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not talking about the, the traditional- Weissman. Ones, which you know, whatever. If a C minus drives you away from Bitcoin, you probably shouldn't have invested in the first. Agreed. So great. Um, I'm talking about these these spun up websites that use fucking WordPress templates that rate ICOs, and they just pump the ones they want you to. Like that time shall pass. We shall get our Snopes. You know, our our like our actual trustworthy. Um, sources out there but it takes time to cultivate those things the early internet was full of scams full of garbage and and we're gonna get there and i think smart contracts are gonna get there too we're probably gonna find ways in which people can trust them i mean erc's for, for what it's worth just to clarify erc all it means is uh, ethereum re request for comment it's basically like a bip right it's even less than a bip it's just yeah. like yo what do you guys think about this thing it doesn't have to be Smart Does it contract. have to be a, a contract? No. Or it's just anything? Pretty much anything. So, so you know, saying ERCs are the way of the future is kind of like, eh, but there will be a, you know, gold stamp of approval from various people about this smart contract is pretty legit. The problem, I think, with the parity one, as far as I know, it was merged without um, acceptance yeah, from I think, anybody. I think Gavwood took some... Uh, took some uh, 
uh, what would you call them? He took liberties. Liberties, exactly. Right, liberties. and you know, I, I, I think Gavin's a smart guy. He's done a lot of good stuff, but I think that, you know, on both ends, he did not follow the kind of standards that I would hope that somebody would, who has that level of influence. But likewise, nobody called him out, or you know, if they did call him out, it wasn't listened to. But but I think we're going to hold a higher standard for ourselves and where we put our money. As you would today, you would not go to, you know, a guy in an alley and be like, yo, here's $10,000. Make it happen. Um, we're going to get there. And it, it takes time. And, it, I, you know, it sucks that people got burned. You should have had a camera on me in Nashville last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Scary thought. Oh, man. I don't want to see what was under that trench coat. But, um <laughs> Uh, I, I think it sucks that people got burned, but I think to point to the central authority and say, this is your fault for letting this happen is, is almost like extremely anti-libertarian to say that there should have been a guiding hand that coddled you from the possibilities of getting burned. You know, I no, I, you're, you're completely right. And, and I'm certainly not saying that like the SEC should step in and squash anything because I, I, I don't think that's a long-term fix for anything. I think you're totally right that these markets are extremely young and that we have to adopt wisdom kind of as participants and that only accumulates over time. But again, I just there there are these cultural elements. Like that first principle like the first principles in my mind, like of security first and securing the protocol level. Like And that's right. that's great that we have something to fall back on for that, but what do you say to people that three dollars is a transaction fee is their take home for a week you know if you're trying to get well so that kind first of, adoption, of all right now you can get a transaction confirmed within a day for five satoshis on the bite so like that's what's that translate to to an average transaction to an average transaction. Sorry, man, I'm stuck in fiat. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you, but it's I like, can tell you that that because I checked before so, here because I knew it was going to come up that the average transaction cost average right now. So obviously, some people are probably setting you know ridiculous yeah, highs to get it mean, done quick. Mean is problematic. You have to look at percentiles. So if if I mean, and fee estimation is its own art um, that that Alex Morcos uh, knows a ton about because he's worked on that stuff. Um, but it like you you have to incorporate as a parameter your willingness to wait for your transaction to confirm so i mean it, it depends okay fine all right let's move move the goalposts on what i said what are you going to say to the guy who needs a cheap transaction now are you going to say I, I we're going to figure it out with lightning and some amount of time like, and you'll have to pay this amount to use venmo and if you can't use venmo then realize that what you're doing comes at a premium because what you're doing is skirting censorship. If you can't use Venmo for what you're doing, it might be a transaction that a government wants to avoid, or it might be something cross borders, or it might be something high value. And you should acknowledge that the transaction that you're doing has to live on a probably monotonically growing network of computers for perpetuity. And that that costs money, and that that should have a premium. Right, and I I agree with that. I agree that that is what Bitcoin stands for. But I think that there's a use case out there. Venmo, obviously, they need to connect to your bank. What if you don't have a bank that supports them? What if you live in a country that doesn't have? Right. You right. know, whatever. 
uh, all I'm saying is that that use case exists and to try to stand I mean I guess really I, I feel bad because I'm arguing against you guys but I'm not arguing against you guys because you just agreed you're like yeah other blockchains that's fine no, but to Marty's point, we have to. We don't have to focus on being friendly. We have to focus on getting this stuff right. Yeah, we're steel manning it. You know? yeah, yeah, that's this. This is the important part. But but look, okay. So the closest analogy I can think of to the Bitcoin blockchain and all subsequent efforts that follow in its spirit is BitTorrent. And with BitTorrent, basically, you have a file of fixed size, say a movie or a, a piece of music or a piece of text. Um, that you're distributing across the network and then downloading from, right? So y you have growth in one dimension. For for a torrent to remain healthy, it has to be hosted among a number of peers, right? A blockchain, on the other hand, grows itself indefinitely. The data keeps growing. And then presumably, as the network sees more use, in order to participate with full security, you have nodes being added to the network and coming online. So you now have two dimensions of growth. You have both the data growing and the nodes growing. This is like unlike any other system that we've ever seen. And so as a result, like you, you can't have these, you know, even 10,000 character line programs that are executed and living on the blockchain that, that get carried out on every single node because it's just not scalable. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Bitcoin has locked its two dimensions in that it's going to optimize for, which is number of nodes and and size of transactions or, you know, whatever you want to measure it as. But realize that number of nodes is, is an the incredibly... The most important part. It is. It is oh, I agree. It's the most important part. And, you know, as I noted before... Ethereum right now does have the most number of nodes, or at least over Bitcoin. I don't know if there's some crazy currency with out there. A different so. security model. Exactly. With with a right, and and so that's all I'm saying is that there are multiple levers to pull here, and to say that your thing is superior because you chose the right levers is disingenuous to to people who have different use cases and have different needs out of your thing. I I will always agree with you that Bitcoin right now. For for quasi anonymous transactions is the most secure thing, but it doesn't fulfill certain use cases depending on what you're optimizing for, and that's always it. Well, Why I would I would push back and say that the use cases that you want right now take time. You can't get these use cases out of the box. Like any money that has ever become money has had to go through this continuum, and. So collectible, store value, medium of exchange, unit of account. It's just going to take time to get to the use cases that you're envisioning. And it's going to – I I agree, or I would argue that we're going to get be able to do everything that Ethereum can do on second and third layers. It's just going to take time. And that's what perturbs me in particular is that, like, I see a lot of impatience in the space. It's like, we want this now. It's like, this shit takes time. And I would argue – that going uh, sort of slow and steady is more advantageous than going move fast and break things in the long run. And so we're going to hit like a time scale in the long run where the move fast and break things sort of mentality of Ethereum sort of trips it up and the, the move slow and steady mentality of Bitcoin sort of proves its worth at some point in the next 10 to 20 years. All right, Aesop, I dig that. You know, I'm I'm with you. I'm just saying that... Big fan of ASAP Rock. Yeah. <laughs>
underrated. <laughs> underrated. Very, very underrated. Um, I, all, all I'm saying is that it's very convenient for us who are speculating in our lofty castle to say, like, yes, this is this is fine to have years from now, but, you know, for whatever reason, whether you call it impatience or you call it need, you know, we've kind of opened Pandora's box on this possibility. And to say, hold up, hold up, I know you got your use case, but, like, it's going to take some time, is a little presumptive. So one interesting point that um, the director of the MIT Media Lab made at Scaling Bitcoin um, in, in uh, 2017 was that um, th this guy, his name is um, Joey, was working on the development of the Internet. And he was saying, basically, that back when the Internet was being actively engineered and worked on um, in its formative years, like, very few people were using it. And they had a lot of room to screw up and experiment. Um, and Bitcoin has gone from zero to 60 in, you know, 10 years. And that's not a lot of time. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, th I think we are in kind of different circumstances. But... Um, I think we're doing pretty well, honestly. You know, I, I'll I'll be happy if Bitcoin retains its current characteristics. Like, because right now I can get on a plane to Hong Kong and move a lot of money that way, and and sort of not worry about being censored or not worrying about having my my bank account frozen. And as long as we keep that going, I think it'll be a successful project. Yeah, I th I think the value of Bitcoin lies in what it has right now and in a lot of ways i think that is true of both ethereum and and many other currencies the, the value that it has right now it, it there is value a lot of people say like you know i i actually may, maybe if pushed to it i might say ethereum is overvalued on its potential future value because of how much people are building on top of it right now you have you have a lot of companies pledging themselves to be in the, I can't remember the name, like the Ethereum Corporate Alliance or something like that. Oh, what is that? Enterprise Enterprise, EEA, Ethereum Enterprise Alliance. You have a lot of companies pledging themselves to that. And that, you know, that I, those announcements never shift the value, but I think they change the way people look at it and say, oh, you know what, in, in three years, five years, this is going to be the hot shit. And so maybe it's overvalued in that regard, but it does provide a value today in the same way that you said that Bitcoin provides value today um, that is unique to it and that I think um, you know you can't undersell you can say that maybe it hasn't been done the way you would do it or the way a handful of people would do it but it's done enough the way that a lot of people are willing to stake what I would argue is almost more valuable than time or than money but is there time on it <laughs> You know, you see an outrageously large number of products coming that are built on top of this and companies that are willing to kind of stake their name, you know, not wholeheartedly. You don't see Citibank saying, like, all right, we're moving the whole ledger over to Ethereum. But they're willing to invest the resources and say publicly, hey, I, you know, we think this might be worth a fair shake. I, yeah. No, I would agree with that, like, wholeheartedly. And... Dude. It's just, it's like, it, I, I always fall back on that, like, this is money, and we should be as conservative with it as possible. To your point, though, I mean, I, sometimes I, I wonder about, 
you know i mean decentralization is not the the end it's a it's sort of a means yeah um and i think that people that treat it as an end are kind of misguided people who want everything massively decentralized and distributed like to the nth degree like i you know i don't care if pictures of my dog are are decentralized because i I don't really you know that's not controversial um i guess there's an argument to be made that you shouldn't use privacy preserving technology only when it's meaningful because you need sort of anonymity set there but but i like i think there's like a there's a priority list right um but uh, i i agree there's a priority list but what makes you think that your priorities are more important than someone else's because the priority we're talking about is money which is like a civilization wide like priority well let's be clear here your priority isn't money it's some facet of money because money money has many qualities money has liquidity as a quality it has um you know backing value as a quality what backs this money well, you're, you're falling back onto my point that this shit's going to take time. Like, it's going to take time to evolve into that holistic view of money that defines money, which is it has to be a store value, a medium of exchange, something that's liquid, that's exchangeable. Like, my why, whole point why is... Does, why does it follow that order? Like, where is that order derived from? From history. I mean, like, it, it's like... It's, so it's a combination of mechanics and psychology. Like, psychology is, I would say, 75% of it. Like, getting everybody to agree that a certain money is a money takes time. Like, How do you measure that agreement? That's a great question. I, 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 I would I, argue, you know, in a certain way that coinmarketcap.com might be that measure. Oh, fuck. No. I, oh, I, no. I know. Fuck no, I know. No. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate here. This is my go to my go to like on chain FX or like coin metrics. Don't use coin market cap. All right, fine, fine. All I mean to say is that you're 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 talking about metrics that don't have defined measurements. So you're saying accept something okay. needs to be accepted it's, first it's as a like, store of value. How do you measure whether people are storing using it as a store of value or using it as you know utility or something like that? If we want to, if we want to look at metrics, I guess you could look at Coin Days Destroyed. Um, would that be a good metric of store value? Like Sorry, people that Coin Days Destroyed. Like, basically the the number of time that you've let your coins sit. Yeah. Why is that destroyed? Oh, it's it's like I guess it's opportunity cost, right? Like you could have this many USD if you had sold. But it's a deflationary asset. I mean, you could argue. That the value is going up by letting it sit. Oh yeah, certainly a lot of people would. But but the fact that it's deflationary is inherent in the supposition that this thing is going to have value in the future. So so basically, that's that's kind of the most honest metric, I guess, is like how long have you held on to this? Because presumably, if you've held on to it for a long time, you think that in the future it's going to have a lot of value. So you think a market with with zero liquidity. Is a good metric. I want to say zero liquidity. I right. Would say. So it's a combination. Yeah, and again, it's psychological. And like, how do you define? How do you measure psychology? It's impossible. Like you know, it's just a. Uh, They're heuristics. So so let's shift gears here to another technical matter. That's a, a a recent personal favorite of mine. Is it cosmic or terrestrial? It's fairly <laughs> it's fairly terrestrial. This is ET phoning home right here. So. 
there is a distinction which um, listeners of the pod may or may not know about. In Ethereum, you have an account-based model. In Bitcoin, you have a UTXO-based model. The UTXO-based model is a little bit harder to reason about because basically the idea is that when you spend a coin, you have an output. And for that output, there are certain inputs um, for which the sum total of the inputs have to outweigh or equal the output. Um, usually outweigh because you want to pay the miners a fee. In Ethereum, on the other hand, which is account-based, basically you, you have a sort of what we call stateful transaction, which is moving a value into this account. Um, and so the two, it's sort of a subtle nuance, but the, the two are different. And the reason I bring this up is because a seemingly unrelated design choice has very concrete implications for attack. So in Ethereum, you can wage this attack um, where basically you sibyl someone, which is to say that you surround them with nodes that are dishonest and feeding them bad, bad information, and you say, okay, I've paid you 10 ETH, right? So maybe you had some out-of-band agreement that I would pay you 10 ETH, give you this thing, and then you would give me back, say, 5 ETH, right? So they broadcast then the transaction um, that's paying, them, paying you 5 ETH. Well, because this was a Sybil attack, um, you basically unengage and reveal to them that they have been off-chain the whole time but you replay their 5 ETH payment to you and you get 5 ETH. That works in Ethereum. This doesn't work in Bitcoin. Yeah, so I, I agree with that possibility. And is hang it, on, let me just... Is that printing ETH, basically? No, 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 no. It's not printing ETH. It's just basically... It's, it's replaying a transaction that transfers value from one holder to another. Marty, have you ever seen The Sting, Robert Redford, and uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Yeah, great movie. Strong recommend. If you don't have a movie list yet for the new website, <laughs> throw this thing on there. I'm going to watch it tonight. This is like this is like playing somebody a different horse race and getting them to bet on the real horse race and then making them lose money that way. That's Sorry, really, spoiler alert, a, the yeah, sting. Yeah. Well, hopefully everybody who hasn't seen that will forget by the time they watch it. Right. It's a very small detail. But, but let me just spell out for the for the listeners that the reason that this isn't possible in Bitcoin is because it uses this kind of, at first blush, more unfriendly mechanism um, of, of transacting, which is the UTXO mechanism. And, and basically, if you tried to do that in Bitcoin, you wouldn't be able to replay that transaction that grants the, the um, thief five Bitcoin because it's based on a UTXO that doesn't exist in the main chain. And so, um, uh, again, this is this is an example in my mind of a concept that seems more straightforward in Ethereum, this account-based model, that actually results in a wider attack vector than Bitcoin has. I would also like to point out, though, that in your proposed um, attack on this person, you agreed to an off off-chain exchange you said that they sent you 10 eth for something off chain and well no i mean this this could be totally on chain somebody could say to you hey i'll i need to get rid of this eth i'll send it to you for 10 you wait five days and send me back five right and that could be 
orchestrated as a smart contract, which would not play well with a civil attack because if I sent a transaction to a smart contract, um, it wouldn't exist on the mainnet and 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 it would not go through. Yes, it could be architected in the smart contract, but could also not be. Like, right, but that was an agreement that you made off chain, and so there, you know, again, it's that it's that discussion of deferring trust. Yeah, and that gets back to the, like the d- discussion of the attack surface. Like you're just increasing the attack surface in that po- at that point. I think that's what it is. Like I, I, I think Will, you're right that maybe you know maybe such an attack might be not as plausible as as something else, but but the fact that it's available to an attacker to me is very meaningful. And like if you're if let's say that Chase Bank starts using Ethereum and they hire some hapless dude who claims to know solidity to architect their Ethereum system and then all of a sudden they rely on a pattern like this and 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 nobody has really thought about it. You know, it's uh, it's again a reuse of the parity multisig wallet over and over. It's it's just like there's this pattern that's available to somebody who's dishonest and then it gets misused. Yeah, and that's that's how you build your Cheshireton's fence. You know, y- you you do these things, you make a mistake and you you patch it. Can you and define Cheshireton's fence first? Cheshireton's fence is the idea. All right, so you're walking around you feel in in your field or someone else's field and you see a fence, um, what do you do with it? Do you destroy it? Or do you think to yourself, huh, somebody probably built this fence for a good reason. I'm just going to like let it let it hang here. Mm-hmm. Or, or hop over it, I guess, is another um, analog for that. But the idea is that there are things that people don't have to know every single detail about. You know, you don't have to know necessarily why you look both ways before you cross the street. As long as you know it, you'll be fine. And I think those things are built up over time. As somebody mentioned earlier, we have the ability to, um, you know, transmit information across time and across people, and we can share experiences, that kind of stuff. Um, that's that's going to build here in this ecosystem. And that's why earlier when you asked, is this going to happen in our lifetime, I said no, because we're pretty ironed in our ways of, like, oh, this website says that if I send my money here, it's going to get there. Like, that's fine. I think people are going to learn, you know, is there a smart contract? Has has this agency validated it as, you know, a legitimate contract? There's going to be a shorthand for that. It's going to be so fast. I, I, I don't know if I agree. Like, I think yeah, Marty remarked earlier at some point, I don't know if this was on Twitter or in an interview, but he basically said, like, people know enough to not build secure applications in PHP. And this, like, I think what you're arguing for is like building a secure application in PHP because you're like, well, look, yeah, it's PHP, you know, there are these attack vectors, but like over time, we'll accumulate enough wisdom to avoid these attack vectors. And it's like, you could just avoid all that by doing, by doing a much simpler thing. Yeah, and that argument came from like a CMS background where like most CMSs are built back end on PHP where if it's like a blog or something that's putting out like written content it's not as big a deal as value transfer and there you have to you have to de-alienate between these these different use cases and for me it's a non-starter with money it's got to be as secure as possible well i i mean i think that's why i'm kind of anti-maximalist is there are these use cases that require different levers to be pulled and 
you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there who says, nope, I want this in gold. Could be fake money. Could be money where the serial numbers are tracked by the government and going to be, you know, I'm going to be arrested for this or what, you know, whatever. Like, there are different mediums of exchange right now that exist for different reasons. And maybe, maybe Bitcoin cements itself as, hey, if you want to make 100% sure that this one transaction lives alone and it's done, you know, maybe that's the avenue for Bitcoin. I would argue that we're in... We're in a time where the multiple medium of exchanges is a luxury, and what we're falling back on is when those luxuries aren't afforded to us, what is the most sound medium of exchange and most sound money, and I would argue that's Bitcoin. Like, but even, I, I mean, is that, look, would you, like, yeah, I mean, I, like, I, we're afforded the luxury of medium of exchange now because fiat currencies are hot and they're readily available, but that the fat lady's only going to sing or excuse me the music's only going to be playing for so long <laughs> no I, I oh right is fat lady not I guess, in vogue I guess phrase alternatively anymore? the fat lady is going to sing at some point exactly and the music's going to stop exactly which is I, I think I'm mixing kind of, analogies yeah, here that's no, a little but no, dubious you're, you're right the fat lady's going <laughs> to sing at some point and when that happens like what are you going to fall back no, on no I, th I think this is something that I, I think a lot about and not a lot of people talk about because again it, it involves a lot of kind of forecasting um but if you look at the balance sheet of the, the united states government i mean this this money doesn't seem like it's going to last for very long if you sit down and and look at the numbers um so I, yeah i i do think like right now we're afforded a kind of luxury um that we can transact in these different mediums but um if you're asking me which system I would put my faith in long term, it's it's absolutely Bitcoin because I have the source code on my computer and I know how it works and I know what the monetary policy is and no other single human being can influence that. So that, I mean, personally, that makes me sleep a lot better at night and that's why I hold Bitcoin. I I mean, it's still... Look, if you really want to get down to what's what's the infallible currency, hold a physical thing in your hands, and then that's not even infallible because what if we're all living in a simulation, you know? Or, and, or and, just... and you simulate me giving you giving you me the thing that I traded my gold but for. I would like, argue that that Bitcoin's more infallible than gold. This is gonna get, I'm gonna get yelled at for this, but <laughs> no, no, you're not. I mean, like, in the look, sense that like I can fucking hold it in my brain and nobody can like literally rabbit like nobody could take my ring like somebody you could take my ring off my hand right now and run away at the gold like you can't take my thoughts on my brain some you know certain people time lock bitcoin so that basically it can't be taken from them and that's that's a, a wonderful property that you can say and by the way a lot of people don't know that there are native operations to bitcoin that um aren't exploited in the same way that they are ethereum like multi-sig contracts like time lock contracts like uh, check sequence verify um but let's be clear those aren't those aren't abused in ethereum those are abused in particular smart contracts that do not implement them correctly okay i would argue that the the possibility that they can be implemented incorrectly is a bad non-starter I, yeah, I agree. But but anyway, like the, I mean, yeah, like that's that's a pretty cool feature of your money, um, and so yeah, I I put more faith in Bitcoin as a monetary system than almost anything else, um, and that stands 
alone from adoption. I think I think basically people are catching up to Bitcoin, kind of as Marty says, like Bitcoin is going to change people faster than people change Bitcoin. And I do think that's true. I mean, I, I think that some people were primed for Bitcoin um, because they were thinking about this kind of weird, I don't know, people have been noodling on monetary policy for a while and people were ready for it, but... Um, Hike was ready for it in the fucking 80s. He fucking <laughs> predicted it. So if you don't mind me proposing a, a, a slight topic change. I mind. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yo, don't come <laughs> on the podcast. Marty's a Nazi. Um, who do you think the next generation of cryptocurrency maintainers are going to be? Who do you think is going to get interested in this stuff? Because uh, one of the things that I hear a lot of people talk about is one... Um, like the Ethereum crew, very young, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of inexperience. If you that, that's air quotes on that, uh, that's direct quotes to me. <laughs> a lot of brashness. Uh, whereas the Bitcoin is like a bunch of old cypherpunks who are like cool and disagree. Know. Let me tell you why. Well, for one, you. Well, yeah, I'm. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm somewhere between. I'm 28 years old. Yeah, but you said it yourself. You were doing uh, PRs when you were 25. I guess so. I guess so, with with reduced frequency. Um, All right, feel free to dispute the second. So, so shout out Andrew Chow. A. Chow is um, one of the most prolific Bitcoin core contributors. And this kid is still in um, in school. Sorry for doxing A. Chow. But uh, Andrew's... In grade in, school? Like, what no, 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 no. <laughs> he's, in, he's an undergraduate in America somewhere. I... More doxing. Won't say more than that. He goes to North Dakota State University. <laughs> you can you can really find out about. Uh, How bad would you feel if you were right about that? <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> terrible. Absolutely I sure terrible. hope I'm giving HO an ego boost that's commensurate with the amount of information I'm revealing about him. But but I I don't even think this guy can drink. Um, and he is an incredible contributor to Bitcoin Core. All right, that's I, all I'll say. I, I wasn't I wasn't going I, I mean I was not going for exceptions to the rule. I think it's fair to say that the Bitcoin crowd skews I think developer crowd skews older. I think the blue map might be like your guys' age. I don't know. Nobody knows. He's he's, he's ageless. He's younger than me. Um I know for a fact. Okay. But, um, just, what I will say, what I think is more important is that like we need to fucking we don't need our schooling system needs to get better. Like we need to. Oh, it's busted. And it's I mean, we'll, busted. But like, we need to like realize, like, oh my god, like instead of like, I I, I took five years of Latin. Like I, I fucking <laughs> <laughs> I should have been learning like JavaScript or like CSS HTML. I are you a uh, are you a Catholic school upbringing? Yeah, I went to oh, a yeah. Jesuit right. high school. Like I fucking learned. Took five years. I took five years of dead language. Our Father in heaven, I'll be in the pot there, not still Mary, full of grace. <laughs> I can I can do it in Latin for you right now. Oh man! <laughs> All right, one up. There was one a time. Up. There was a time. Paternoster, nostri doministi. Doministi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can do it. I can do it right now. Like, but I should have been learning fucking like C plus plus or or I equals zero. <laughs> yeah. But that's something like we have to adjust to. Like that's what I'm like. To your point, Will. Like, we're not going to see the benefits of this for generations and I think that's because we have we are terribly equipped to learn at the pace that we should be learning as a society 
Yeah. I, so, all right. Circle and way this back. This is why I want to go back to you. Like, you dropped out of high school noticing. Yeah. yeah okay. Tell your all damn right. biography. Will. All right. Just give, all right. Just yeah. give the people what they want. I hardcore deflected up front because, honestly, I'm a huge poser, and I'm always worried it's about getting credential checked true. at parties. So, um, yeah. So, I, I dropped out of high school. Uh, as James mentioned earlier, it was for my, you know, wanting to develop video games like every other 16-year-old out there. Um, I think I disillusioned myself fast enough to not get into $120,000 of well, debt at no, some and, state and school. And it was your absolute willingness to defy truant officers and like, hide <laughs> in your closet. Like, that was a pretty Bus. key part of it. Bus! <laughs> you were hiding from officers? It's true? Oh, yeah. Tijuana yeah, Brown. Tijuana Brown. Shout-outs to Tijuana Brown. <laughs> Shout-out to Tijuana Brown. She uh, threw me in the back of a police car. I thought I was pretty cool at the time. Well, I didn't know there was a police car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuffs and all. Holy oh, shit. Wow. No, I mean, I, I guess in Northern Virginia, they take truancy seriously. I'm sure in, like, downtown Baltimore, they don't give a fuck. Shout-outs to The Wire Season Wire. 4. <laughs> um, One of my fondest memories is watching The Wire with Will, by the way. Oh, yeah, Wire and Wings Night. That was um, a strong two-person family tradition for uh, uh, for a solid year in uh, Midtown East. That sounds like an incredible night. Incredible multiple nights. 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 Yeah. So, let's get back to you dropping out of like I think right. we need more use. That's what I'm trying to get to. All right, all we right. need more people like you. Okay. Well, I you know in a lot of ways I disagree with that because for one I'm working with a lot of very smart people who went to school and who know things that I don't. I'm not saying that I could not learn those things, but there is something to be said for being classically educated in computer science i think you take certain things into consideration for instance my brother is one of those i think if i interviewed at chain code labs they would laugh me out of there because i just don't have a basis for a certain classification of computing problems but uh i do think that the the path that i took well equipped me to build a certain type of thing that if you ask me, I think Bitcoin is lacking a little bit, which is sort of the bridge between reality and and cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. which is it's not this thing that sits in space and you can hold in your brain and no matter you know what anyone does to you, uh, can't take it away. It's this thing that actually provides utility and ease of use and um, you know you can think about it in realistic terms. And I think that's something I see a lot of in the Ethereum community and I think is promoted by the ease of access that I you know, previously mentioned is a way to build things people can use today, probably tomorrow. You know, maybe they build some piece of garbage that gets hacked. I don't know. But um, the point is people have room to experiment in, in, a, in a pretty friendly way. I have no idea, you know, how I would get started on, like, some Layer 2 Bitcoin stuff. How did you learn to program? So how did I learn to program? Fuck. (laughs) Swearing. Oh, yeah. What was the first thing you programmed? Very first program. Man, I think my dad asked me to program the Fibonacci sequence without hard coding it. I think that... Yeah, yeah, that works. Remember I used Python, but I... Holy shit. (laughs) My dad never asked anything from me. (laughs) <laughs> Shout out, Dad. He had he has doing discrete math problems in Pizza Hut. Oh yeah, like the, I mean that's where that's where the like strong libertarian core economic background comes from. James picked up more of the math than I will ever pretend to know, but 
thing. Wait, so how do you write a Fibonacci? You got a for loop that adds an item from the array that you're iterating on. It takes the last item so it's like and it just adds to it. Yeah, the classic pitfalls to do a tree recursion, which blows up exponentially in terms of runtime, but you can do it iteratively more easily. One of the few times where the naive solution wins out. Exactly, exactly. Damn. Gentlemen, we've been in here for fucking three hours already. Really? Yeah, it's All nine right. o'clock. Time to free Marty up to go home to his wife. Uh, do I want to do that? <laughs> right. Just kidding, Rachel. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's uh what's the note to end on? I don't know. Do we? I mean, we we got ten minutes to end. Um, what do we solve tonight? Do we solve anything? I don't think so. Here's what I think I we think solved. We had a, I think we hashed a lot of things out though. I, I think one thing that we solved is that you the, you, the listeners, know that Marty has a heart of gold. Despite all his pessimism, I was able to just <laughs> polish a nugget of positivity for a hot second, which was instantly taken away, but I know it's there. I would agree. I see Marty's heart of gold every morning when I get his email, so there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know why you're reading or listening to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just happened to be here. I don't know how I ended up at Barstool Sports. I don't know <laughs> what the fuck is going on right now, but I know that I'm here, and I know that I very much enjoyed the last three hours. I think I'm smarter. I think I'm a little smarter because of it. I don't know if you two are. I mean, you two might be dumber from talking to me. But <laughs> No, I think any opportunity in I which I have to remain civil with my brother is an opportunity to learn because he's a very smart guy who, who calls me on my shit. And he has done so a couple of times here, and I feel like I'm a, I'm a more well-rounded person as a part of it. I do as well. No, I really enjoyed this conversation. Like, I think we learned a lot. Like, and I think the main thing that we learned is that we have no fucking idea what we're doing. Is we we have no fucking idea what we're doing at a macroeconomic exactly. level. Exactly. I think each of us carries out the contribution to the ecosystem, Marty. I feel like especially those first two episodes you did are a great entry point for people into understanding both the community and the history behind this stuff. I think James barely needs to speak for himself in terms of contribution. I mean, the man's landed many a pull request that I'm sure will pay dividends 10, 20 years from now. Minor at best. And uh, uh, I make it easier to buy ICOs. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. but um, Hey, man, if I didn't do it, somebody would. Yeah, somebody would. Uh, You had to bring up ICOs right at the end. We touched on it. We did. did. I told you your investing advice. Look for why they made a token. They probably don't have a reason. What I say is it's... It's um it's a real privilege to be close with someone who has a different perspective than you do, and to be able to, to not only not only get that perspective, but um, have a basis of respect for them, um, which I obviously do for my uh, very very intelligent brother, um, and just to be able to test your own ideas, I think that's really awesome. Um, yeah, I would say try try to surround yourself with people who, while they may not hold the same viewpoint as you, a hundred percent. But like, but but you have to you respect. Yeah, there have to be certain principles that you share, 
and that you can kind of establish a, a, a bedrock from because I don't think there's value in just going out and seeking dissonance for the sake of dissonance. Oh, you shouldn't feed the trolls, nor should you be fed by the trolls. You need you need to seek out, you know, true wisdom um, from respectable people. And I think that's really hard to find. You know, honestly, mm-hmm. if I could introduce a product in the world, it would be you enter your viewpoint and I return to you people who hold an opposing viewpoint who are respectable. Yeah. I wish that existed. I hope you guys thought this was respectable tonight. <laughs> That's 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 the only hope I have tonight. Like I had a fucking blast with you too. Like it and it has enlightened me. It is, and I will be the first to admit. Like I am very, uh, very quick to to be negative. You know. Well, you're willing to spend three hours to suss out <laughs> the validity of that negativity. So I'd say, Marty, you've got you've got a lot on a lot of people. And a quick plug for Chain Code. Um, I just want to say that the residency was an incredible opportunity. And um, if and when we do it again, um, I encourage anybody to apply and just, you know, come and spend a few weeks at Chain Code because the people there are, are truly exceptional. Um, and um, uh, the people who have a hand in running the program, namely um, John and Alex and Suhas and Marco and Russ and Matt, um, are extraordinary and uh they're just wonderful people so so if if the opportunity arises please apply and come hang out at chain code shit are we doing plugs now plug oh yes all right plug to my crypto solid team you've heard me shill ethereum all night but you know honestly as i tried to mention before and i'll try to mention now i'm just pro blockchain development everywhere so are my fellow devs on it uh, if you're interested in getting your feet wet you know whether or not you want to stick for the long term or you just want to like soak up the ecosystem learn you know certain things uh we're totally open source we you know i get contributors every day shoot me messages and stuff so if you're interested in working on that kind of stuff jump in we're also focused on a little bit more than just ethereum gonna just hint that way no major statements but um yeah, if if you're uh, if you're listening, you're like hell yeah, these guys are cool, and I want to work on blockchain stuff too. Um, definitely a good starting point. My name is Marty Bent. I'm your token idiot, and we are gonna wrap the the podcast there. Uh, peace and love, everybody. We love you, Marty. <laughs> Marty. That was fun. Oh, oh, yeah. Three hours. Woo. Jesus. We're gonna have to cut that into two. I gotta say, I'm sad that I didn't make it to the end, but we'll, we'll see how much you edit out, and then, <laughs> and then I we'll see if we've got 45 minutes. I don't edit a lot out. <laughs> we took multiple pee breaks. I mean, we each took one. We each took one. Yeah, yeah. in aggregate, it was multiple. That was well coordinated, by the way. Yeah. Not at all. I literally said, "I gotta pee." I didn't hear that. We gotta get one last penis in there. <laughs> penis. <laughs> that was fun. That was no, cool. really opened my eyes. No, there's there are a lot of really good arguments for, you know, why Ethereum should be a thing, why it should be worked on. Well, you guys were you were uh, exceptionally open-minded guests for this. <laughs> I mean, to the Will Show, to the, the Will, Will show. show. Yeah, I mean, you said you're having an Ethereum core guy on later at some point, right? Lane Reddit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know Lane's contributions, but I he swear to God, he showed up like last year. 
whatever he can speak to is going to be way more than me. So I appreciate. I, I find that hard to believe that you're seeking that out. I feel bad for your listeners that I'm their first exposure to I the enemy. I, I don't. I, I feel you're like you're a great person. A good representative. Thank you. Realistic and and idealistic at the same time. But uh, you guys did a great job of not teaming up on me and uh, whooping my ass. I literally had try your hardest not to shit on my third. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the do not congratulate <laughs> for starting. Like start. Like, oh, Jesus. Oh, no, like, like, yeah, that's one thing I'll admit. Like, I'm fucking, I'm dumb. Like, I don't know, like, the technical aspects of it. You gotta stop saying that, man, because you're gonna lose credibility with people. You're, you understand so much more than. It's, it's disgusting that you can school me on eclipse attacks when this is like, I don't know what that is. Please pull up an article and tell me what. But you have experience trading in, like, real markets that are not cryptocurrency, you know? I mean, that alone puts you head and shoulders above people like us for long-run When you meet traders, traders are fucking mouth readers. Like, fucking just, like, like, just react to, like, instincts. Like, what I think is smart is, like, and this is coming from, like, now, probably four years ago, I started working, like, heavily in the code. Like, I was writing code in MATLAB and, like, the CIO that I worked like the chief investment officer who wrote the coding base that I manipulated to pull the data from Bloomberg like on my he was like literally in line to be a Russian cosmonaut but immigrated <laughs> to the US to get away from the Soviet Union yeah thank God for like, him I hold Dimitri up to like this pedestal of like oh yeah he's smartest like he wrote the etch- the algorithm for the HFRI hedge fund like I would never be able to the fact that, like, you can write lines of code and manipulate data and make things happen, like, I cannot do that. And I feel powerless compared to that. But you can. I mean, you just admitted to having manipulated MATLAB, and, like, you, you've you done the PHP job. I can't build that code base from scratch. Yeah. like Nobody builds it time. Nobody builds it from scratch the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The, ol- the only way that I made it work was I worked at an agency where other people did that part for me, and then I got to watch and learn. Only way it worked. If you I, if you really want to, you could put yourself in that environment where you're like, okay, I want to do this. I probably thing. should. I probably and should. I mean, you know, what? you have the no, number. I don't think you should because there are plenty of dudes in our seat. There are not a lot of dudes in your seat who are actually, as Will says, serving as an adapter between like the technical community and the people. Who yeah. Use so that's what I'm trying to do. The, like when you were saying tonight, like that's what I'm trying to do. The newsletter is be like the olive branch. Right. To the uber technical side and the masses that want to know more. Yeah, that's what people are fucking up on right now. Yeah. I mean, the number of projects that I look at that just have no respect for, like... Like, that's why I write in Barstool's voice and, like, Kirsten's voice. Like, I can't right, write proper right. code if you right. want to. Right, right, people right. are going to listen to that. No, and people love it. Like, that's why I love referring you to my friends, because I'm like, oh, like, there's this dude from Philly. You're from Philly. You're going to understand this communication. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like... He speak your language. Yo, this shit's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> or like, yeah, I mean, some. I, that's that's why I love the show is because you get these like stupid digressions and like it's not all just like crypto jibber jabber. Yeah. So. Yeah, James. James has another guy that he. Well, I don't know if you still listen to him, but the Bitcoin markets update guy. Oh, uh, Ansel. Ansel. 